This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Right three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. That's it, got it, underdog, and then one, exclamation point. Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is graduation season. Yeah, I guess. Mother's Day tomorrow. Happy Mother's Day to Happy all Mother's the mothers Day. out there. My mom, my grandma, my wife, mother-in-law. I got two. They make it happen. Grandma, mother. I already got mother a gift. There you go. Grandma, I got to figure it out. It's all right. You got time. I got a whole day. I'll be in Chicago, though. There you go. In like three hours. Shout out to Kenny, who's driving me to the airport. (laughs) So So your presence will be gift enough, is what you're saying. No. 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 no, I'll have to get something. I don't don't know. know what to... What do you you get in a 77-year-old... Cuban grandmother who's who has everything who no no I wouldn't say everything but has literally like lived through communism like what do you what do you get that person who's like fought through like the lowest low you know a bears a bears jersey maybe (laughs) (laughs) a Pat Mahomes jersey well I mean if you're if you really want to impress her yeah that's where you go uh, hey, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. We've got a good show. Uh, Mike Schaefer is going to join in a little bit. We're going to talk in state recruiting it is uh, a germane topic this week as teddy rezak going to notre dame yeah commitment earlier this week um he is one of nine in-state scholarship offers in this 2024 class at the moment the i think biggest target on the board is probably carter nelson out of ainsworth yeah someone to note too all nine of those guys, power five offers. Yeah, that, multiple, that, multiple power fives. Multiple yeah. power fives. I think every single one of them, the or the ninth one, Eric Ingwerson, ninth prospect according to 24-7 recruiting, going to Pitt. Yep. So Tight end out of Papillion. Yes. I believe. Yes. Very yep. good. Wow. Yep. Wow. Look at you. I, I had to study up on these guys yesterday. I'm yeah. not. A, I, I'm not very. I'm very excited for Schaefer to come on the show today because in-state recruiting. If we were to have a power rankings of things that Matt McMaster doesn't know very well when it comes to Nebraska sports, it would be in-state recruits, yeah. just because of of the at least the attention that from the Nebraska Cornhusker program how much attention they've been giving to out of state recruits so far and a lot of i mean literally i'm pretty sure they haven't had one in state 2024 commit this or this got, class yet. Do they have one Ashton oh Ashton murphy yeah yeah that was pretty recent the offensive tackle out of uh elkhorn right Correct. elkhorn south elkhorn yeah so i'm excited that'll be a good segment yeah and and this is this is another piece of that discussion is when you've got a talented in-state kid and you are a Nebraska head coach or a, an assistant or you know somebody in charge of recruiting and you're talking to this kid and this kid is dyed in the wool husker like been a fan all his life you know has a little 
uh, well, okay, they wouldn't have a, a Scott Frost or Tommy Frazier jersey because they're not old enough to have remembered them playing. They aren't old enough to have seen them play in their lifetimes at this point. Kids that are coming into college now. So what they would have like a Sue or Rex Amir, Burkhead, Amir, Amir Abdullah. Abdullah jersey. Amir Abdullah would probably be your best. So bet. if you, you, you run into kids like this across the state as you're recruiting, and you can just tell the first time you talk to them about Nebraska, you're just like, oh, this kid's going to come here no matter what. And then you're and, and, and he's a borderline scholarship talent prospect. And then you're faced with the decision to make. Do I do I offer this kid a scholarship knowing that he'd probably come here anyway? Or do you play the walk on game? Well, what are we we're talking Lincoln as a walk? on sure. And then you see if he's good enough and then you eventually give him a scholarship a la your Luke Reimers, your uh, countless offensive linemen, uh, a couple guys just in this uh, in this last week that were confirmed going on scholarship in Nate Borkercher and John Bullock. Where where do you draw that line? Because it's well, not with the top ten. This is way outside the top ten. What what we're talking about? Well, this I this particular class of of in state prospects is maybe a little bit more talent rich than it has been in the past, and Shafe may may check us on that. But typically, it's only four, five, maybe six scholarship offers in state from Nebraska, especially this early in the cycle. Where is that line? Like, I can see it both ways. Like, you want to maximize your resources if you are a staff. You want to save that scholarship for somebody else that you can get out of state that you think is really like a game changer, like a big time talent. You may not always win that battle, but you want to leave yourself options, and and then you have those couple scholarships available where you can give them two deserving walk-ons like Borkercher and Bullock. But nowadays, and I say nowadays, I mean more like the last five, seven, eight years, now you can't play that game as much because you have more Power 5 schools kind of getting hip to the fact that Nebraska is producing pretty good talent in this state, and they're offering those Power 5 offers, and those get, those kids are going away. A couple of years ago, you had all four of the top four leave the state. Oklahoma, Auburn, Oregon, uh, and you also have the, your North Dakota states, your South Dakota states, those, those FCS powers that are really coming on and taking these kids out of the state uh, and, and giving them scholarship offers paying for their school, and giving them a chance to succeed in terms of a team success a lot higher level than they would have at Nebraska. So that's that's what I wanted to kind of dig into here is where is that line now for Matt Rule headed into this 2024 class well, and, and beyond? If there's a guy that you're on the borderline of offering a scholarship, I think, like, you should go after guys first that you know can be scholarship players, whether or not they're from Nebraska, and then go from there. I think that's just kind of the, the, the basic strategy. And if you don't, I mean, look, this staff has proven that star ratings doesn't really, they don't really matter to them. They are going to do their own analysis. They're going to do their own scouting. They're going to take guys that, whether or not they're highly recruited or highly touted, they're going to offer them. And if they believe that they can play, they're going to go out and get them. I mean, there's a lot of dudes. I mean, they've kind of shown their cards a little bit already with the track game. 
If you got good track yeah. numbers yeah. and you've shown that you're an athlete, they're going to go out and they're going to get you. Uh, even Matt Rule has gone on and said, uh, you got a guy like Evan Cooper who's just a recruiting maniac who will find dudes out of nowhere and then they'll go ahead and all of a sudden after Evan Cooper offers them, they'll go and get a bunch of offers and, and whatnot. And we've seen even from, um, I think it was DeAndre Barnes, or uh, is that his name from Colorado, that cornerback? Yes. He wasn't very highly touted. And, and they late, just got late, late offer. Late, like the, the latest day. author you, pr- you practically could get. Mm-hmm. So like... This staff is going to, if they like a recruit, regardless of what they believe in terms of saving scholarships or not, they're going to offer them. They're going to go and try and get them. It's just, I think the question is, how much of a base do they really make in Nebraska? And and here's what I mean by that. They've done a lot of recruiting in California. They've done a lot of recruiting in Texas. They've done a lot of recruiting in Colorado. They've done uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. They're going to the Northeast. They've gone a lot to Arizona. Now, granted, the Arizona probably is just for one guy. But it's the question is how much do they actually invest in Nebraska? And now you can tell me, well, Pat or uh, you know Ed Foley's going to all these different <laughs> Nebraska the high schools. Yeah, and, and Rule is visiting all these high schools, and you know they're putting those those Nebraska sneakers everywhere they can. Look, it's it's great for the state. It's great for the community. It, it, it's something that should be done because you know going to a high school as a Nebraska head coach inspires players to be like, oh, wow, they like know who we are. you know. And like, if I play well, I have a chance to go and play football. And that means something to people, and I think it's very inspiring. But, but, all of that included going and going to these high schools, visiting these high schools, talk about how much community you have. We'll see how invested they are in the state when we look back on this 2024 recruiting class and see how many guys they actually go and get. Because... They've invested a lot of time and a lot of different recruits and a lot of different states. And if they end up and they go, and you could tell, I mean, look, they got a lot of guys in this 2023 class from Nebraska as well. But this 2024 class, this is their, they got the lay of the land. 2023 recruiting class, they did a very good job, but they were kind of thrown into the fire and they were like, we have to get a class. It's yeah. not even who we get, it's just we have to get one. We have to get players. That's kind of the situation they were in. This time, they can take a step back. They can pick. They can really diligently pick who they want, and we'll see how invested they are in Nebraska when we see who they end up getting. Because if they've proven anything in the recruiting process, when they really zone in on a recruit, when they really lock in on a recruit, they've proven that they can get them more times than not. And it's kind of that belief of if you get if you can get a recruit to Lincoln once, you're in pretty good shape. If you get them th- there twice or three times, that's a big deal. Yeah, you know, it's all about getting these guys to Nebraska. They've done a very good job of getting them, bu- getting them to Nebraska from California, from Pennsylvania, from New Jersey, from Nebraska, or from Texas. But you know, these kids from Nebraska, they've been going to Memorial Stadium. They've they've been to Lincoln. Some of them have lived in Lincoln their entire lives. That aura of oh, get them to campus, see what happened. That's gone. You know, it's it's more home. And and I think a big thing with Nebraska recruiting, at least from what I've seen, is effort. How much effort? If you want kids from Nebraska to come to Nebraska as the head coach of Nebraska, it's all about how badly you want them there. Yeah, yeah. With 
with the the state of this particular squad, like you can look uh, along the roster for some guys who from in state that that were offered and are on scholars. You know, Teddy, your Teddy Prohaska was given a scholarship uh, to come play right here in Lincoln, uh, and was a an in state kid. Jake Applegate, uh, he's moved around a little bit. He's at tight end right now. Um, another guy who was offered a scholarship out of high school. Uh, Isaac Gifford, Nick Henrich, same thing. But then you have your other guys who kind of stick out for being, hey, they, they didn't get that offer initially, but they've played so well that they've played themselves into a scholarship. Luke Reimer was not offered a scholarship out of high school. He came in and, and kind of did what the John Bullock experience is, is doing right now, just just played better than anybody else at that position all of a sudden and just said, hey, I'm, I'm here and, and you, you ought to play me a lot and earn that scholarship. Same with Ethan Piper on the offensive line. Uh, he's been a multi-year starter at the offensive line and was not offered a scholarship out of high school. So both of those are, are you know, current examples. There's plenty more going back. That's I'm, I'm really interested in how this staff plays that game because it is a fine line to walk. You can get some of these guys to Nebraska without offering them a scholarship. But, Not as yeah. many as you could have. No. Well, well, you also have to think about the whole like Reimer argument. This is a different program than when Reimer walked in walked into sure. because when Reimer walked into the program, they had like 150 dudes on the roster. I mean, they had them. Scott Frost was a coach. That's something that wasn't talked about enough. The mass amount of people that were just on that roster was insane. I mean, I I think the official number was like 140 guys. I mean, they weren't even dressing nearly half the roster. I'm pretty sure not even everybody had a locker room or had yeah, a locker. No, they didn't have enough to, lockers to go into. Yeah. This is a and he even said it. <laughs> Rule even said it when he walked in. He goes, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not used to." Having this many people, I mean, they they had so many guys on the on the. They had to do a lot of cuts, a lot of guys, a lot of these other walk-ons, a lot of walk-ons from Nebraska. There are a decent amount of walk-ons from Nebraska got cut. Not to that's not an indictment on rule or anything like that. That's yeah. just a fact. Like yeah. walk-ons got cut. That's what you got to do. It's yep. good that he did it. He had to manage the roster. You can't have 150 dudes running around. But like, there's going to be way less of that because it's a more managed roster now. And I think you're right. There will be a game between who you offer and who you don't offer and whether or not you can get some guys on scholarship and some guys on walking on. But I think that'll be at a way less, a way lesser clip than it, what it used to be because of the limited amount of spots on that, the, the lesser amount of spots yeah. on this roster now. My, what I'm really curious about, when I, and I know we're running out of time here in the segment with Borkature and Bullock, I'm surprised they got scholarships consider and not and not from their play their play has said otherwise they've bullock has has emerged as a spring guy who deserved a scholarship borkature is probably a guy who should have been on scholarship even before last year but with nil and with these kind of spots that you're limited with i know that rule has expressed that he's not concerned with the roster management currently they're five over the ncaa lim, limit for publicly known publicly five known over. five over um Surprised that they he he went away he went ahead and gave them scholarships instead of trying to find them nil money 
to give them kind of an NIL scholarship, which we've seen from other guys on this roster. I'm pretty sure that um, Colton Feast wasn't even on scholarship last year, and he was doing an NIL deal. Yeah, he never um, was on scholarship. Yeah, so it's and he was starting D lineman, probably your best yeah. interior defensive lineman on that team. Yep. So it's it's really funny. I think it speaks a lot to a culture thing. Mm. into his outlook on stuff. Yeah, we're limited on roster spots. Yeah, we don't have... Or we're limited on scholarship spots. Heck, they're over on scholarship spots. But if you are a scholarship-type player, yeah. you will get a scholarship. And I think that's... It's really interesting. And it's not... That's something we see less and less of because of the flexibility that NIL gives teams. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this... I think this conversation goes a little bit deeper than, hey, they're winning, we like walk-ons, or hey, we're losing, we don't like walk-ons, why are you having so many walk-ons play? This is where that conver- the conversation goes you know, a little bit deeper than that, and, and going to join us very shortly to help us out with that is Mike Schaefer. Schaefer. Pays attention to this more than just about anybody, Husker 24-7. Uh, we've also got Husker Baseball to talk about. They got a big, big, win, big win last night. They got another one tonight. They got to get uh, probably out of sweep this weekend um, and, and just make sure they're going to make that Big Ten tournament, make it uh, no question. Uh, that and more. Plenty coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio. 1499.3 KLIN. Busy week in the world of local recruiting, former local walk-ons getting confirmed scholarship spots. It's a bit to juggle. It's quite a lot of information that you have to track. It is. And one of the best in doing so is our next guest, friend of the show, Mike Schaefer, Husker 24-7. Schaefer, how are you? I'm doing well. How are we doing today on this beautiful Saturday morning? Pretty good. I, you're, you sound uh, very well rested after a trip out west. Uh, I, I want to get this uh, thought out before we get into the recruiting stuff. Give me your quick thoughts on an Aaron Rodgers-less NFC North as I sit here with you, a Vikings fan, and, and Matt McMaster, a Bears fan. Well, I don't know that a Bears fan, it really makes much of a difference. Ooh. The difference between four and five wins doesn't seem like it's going to matter a whole lot. Um, but, you know, that's, that'd be great for Justin Fields to be that, the most wins of his career. That wasn't uh, the question, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't, this wasn't trash the Bears question. This oh, was, how do you feel about Aaron not being in our division anymore? <laughs> I, I feel great about that. I just was pointing out that it's probably not going to affect the Bears a whole lot 
Um, that, that was my whole point there. But it'll uh, affect my well-being. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'll it'll affect. Look, losing to him, losing to Aaron is different than losing to Kirk Cousins. You know, because at least Aaron's got a little bit of charisma and a Hall of Fame career, and you know, some Jeez. actual arm talent. You know, so and and also wow. like can actually trash talk and has good personality. So the fact you know losing to Aaron always stung a little bit more than the one out of you know once a year loss we would take from the Vikings. I enjoy the guy who employs a running back as a quarterback talking about arm talent in this segment. Please tell me more about those bounces. You know, you know the, the fact that I'm talking to a guy who spent $40 million on a quarterback a year just to lose in the wild card consistently, <laughs> you know, and, and just be like, oh, the defense is great. The defense has been great for six years, Michael. There's no, There's nothing to show for it. I don't uh, – the defense was terrible. Last it was year. awful last year. It was so bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, all right, let's get to Nebraska. Let's get to, I, I can't, if I get into, if I can do a contest of talking, uh, talking stuff with, uh, Schaefer about the NFC North, I'm going to lose. So it's not going to go well for you real quickly though, because you are a, you're a younger man. Aaron Rodgers is your boogie. You didn't have to suffer through the 35 straight years of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. That That is true. uh, My 35 years, it was like 31, 31 years. My, my father did though. My father did, yeah. though, and won't. Everybody in the NFC North has. It's yeah. a great time for all of us. But now the important thing is that we just leave the Packers to die on the side of the road, <sighs> and we just, you know, battle amongst ourselves. I know we got to get to we got to get to an actual conversation, but if Jordan Love is a Hall of Fame quarterback, I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to do. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't think we need to worry about the CFL Hall of Fame. No, no, we don't. Wow. All right, well, that was your NFC North talk right there. And, uh, hey, by the way, the Kansas City Chiefs do play all four teams in the NFC North this year, starting with the Lions. Congrats on going porno. Yeah, congrats. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what we do. Hey, um, Shafe, before we uh, got to you this week, Matt Rule confirmed Nate Borkercher and John Bullock uh, are on scholarship, and the commitment of Teddy Rezac to Notre Dame um, also occurred here this week. What is this staff's uh, kind of philosophy that you've seen so far in terms of what are their priorities in chasing these in-state guys and what have you seen in, in terms of the split on where we draw that line, walk-on versus scholarship, who we can get in here without offering that scholarship to? Where, where's that line been in your, in your estimation with this staff? Yeah, I think we need probably more time before we really know what it looks like. But they made three additional offers to the six guys that I believe were offered by the previous coaching staff. And those three would be Ashton Murphy, Eric Ingerson, and um, Teddy Rezac. Now, with Ingerson and and Rezac, they weren't first to market. I mean, they were – Pitt had already offered Ingerson. He had already committed. And essentially, Notre Dame had already offered Rezac, and he had already committed by the time Nebraska had made offers there. I think a little bit of grace is necessary because they're obviously drinking from a fire hose since they got here in December. And so mm-hmm. not only are they attempting to build relationships inside the state and recruit the state and find the best talent inside the state, they're trying to do that at large throughout the country. And so I think, you know, if, if there's someone listening to this and they're really upset that Teddy Rezac isn't a Husker, I would just caution you to uh, to have a little bit of grace for what the staff is trying to transition through because it takes a long time to really kind of build those relationships in a place where, you know, if, if you're on the fence about Teddy Rezac, maybe you have some connections in the coaching community in Nebraska and they're really imploring you 
to make that offer. And you trust those guys because they've led you down the right path before. I mean, I'm sure there was people in, in Rezac's corner before the offer came um, that were like, hey, you should take a look at this kid. And it's easier to do that when you have evidence and years of experience building those relationships up. And so I, I think Nebraska is maybe a little bit slow there. And Notre Dame saw something that they wanted. They went ahead and offered, and they made him a priority. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Teddy. He's going to have a, a great opportunity at a great program like Notre Dame. I don't think it reflects anything uh, too much on Nebraska. But in terms of finding that line between walk-on and scholarship, it's tough because there's just, I think, been an increase in terms of athleticism in the Midwest. I think we have seen coaches in the Midwest, especially at Power 5 programs, acknowledge a lot of guys have gone to South Dakota State, North Dakota State, group of five teams that could have helped you at a Power 5 level. Mm-hmm. And so it's being assessed deeper. Um, and I think they've uncovered, there's a lot of untapped athleticism here. I mean, there's guys that uh, are very good athletes, like nationally can compete, especially when we're talking track events that are right here in Omaha and Lincoln and, and the surrounding communities. So. Um, I, I think because of that, it's just going to be a, a situational thing for a while before it's really kind of, you know, we have a blueprint of this is what it takes to get off. Right now, we know baseline athleticism is everything uh, for Matt Rule. And so uh, if a guy runs a good 100 times, it seems like the easiest way to, to end up on the right side of the scholarship ledger. And the other great thing is, especially with guys like John Bullock and Nate Borkercher, you're seeing that they're willing to go out and provide scholarships to players that are above and beyond. I, I look at John, I think those are two guys that are in rooms with notable scholarship athletes that they're probably going to get playing time over or take playing time away from. And that tells me how strongly Matt Rule and staff feel about each of them. Shafe, looking at 24-7 sports recruiting, you got currently 10 Nebraska prospects are ranked, nine of them all have Power 5 offers, and I'm pretty sure uh, Donald Fra- yeah, Donald Frangier, so all 10 of them have Power 5 offers. Sure. Um, where would you say, as a whole, the state of Nebraska is in terms of talent? Is this the best or the deepest the the state has been in terms of recruiting talent since you've been covering it? Is it growing? Like, What would you say, the just as a collective whole, the state is at in terms of high school talent? Yeah, I think it's on an upswing. I think there's a variety of reasons for that. You've got more sort of individual um, training programs that are occurring throughout the state so guys can get off-season resources and off-season work that maybe they weren't before. The seven-on-seven thing has exploded in Nebraska, both between people like Mike Sauter that helped kind of create like the high school tournament that goes on in June, but also stuff, you know, with um, – I, I apologize. I don't know the names of the teams. I know – the Warren Academy is involved with one. I know there's another uh, handful of teams that are going out and competing at the national level uh, and having some success. And so I think that the more off-season work that we can see get put in, the more you realize that there's some good athleticism here. And, and like I said, I think a lot of it was a sort of reevaluation because there has been plenty of talent here that has gone elsewhere and been developed at South Dakota State or North Dakota State or yeah. wherever and turned into good players. Maybe not NFL guys. Like, I think that's one of the hardest things is when we talk talent and then people want to equate it to NFL draft picks, like there's two different things going on here. You can make your roster better. It doesn't necessarily mean that guys are going to end up in the NFL, but uh, there's just a, there's a, a better wealth of talent in Nebraska than I think previously thought. And we've seen over the last, I want to say five, six cycles, because that would take us back into like 2018. 
I mean, it's been pretty steady where you've had four or five guys getting offered by, by Nebraska almost every year since then. And I don't think that was like a Scott Frost initiative. I think that was just basically the realization of there's more talent here than we were seeing before. And look at some of the guys that, you know, have been good for Nebraska, especially defensively in the last few years. Absolutely. Ben Stilley, Garrett Nelson, Luke Reimer. Um, you know, there's other ones that I'm, of course, forgetting. But, like, they, they managed to have success. And that's, that's another part that goes all into it. And I know I'm going long here, but real quickly, in the transfer portal era, you're more likely to keep those kids closer to home um, from transferring than you are taking a flyer on a kid that you like his athleticism in Florida, but he's really no different than a kid in Fremont. And so I, I think that's been a, a part of it as well. Mike Schaefer, Husker 24-7, joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, talking walk-ons and, and whether to offer scholarships here in Nebraska, as well as the way that this staff is valuing like track times and, and traits and, and testing numbers. I, I set all that up to say, Matt Rule would have offered Phelan Sanford a scholarship out of Benkelman, wouldn't he have? <laughs> it seems that way. Um, you know, that guy is a... Uh... The guy has definitely made a, a career out of some special teams plays and the spring game every year just coming through and certainly the off-season athleticism shines through with that guy. I mean, I, it certainly seems like he would be someone that would be in that category. And, and more on that, it, just not Sanford in particular, but as they've gone through and, and, and kind of highlighted the, the things that this staff's going to look for before they – you know, before they show interest, before they offer a scholarship, um, what's that kind of what's that reception been like for the kids that you and and Brunts and BC have talked to in terms of you know what the staff is valuing, what they're asking them to do, what they want them to improve upon before they would get an offer uh, if they haven't yet been offered. Yeah, that's been sort of interesting because a lot of it I haven't had a lot of conversations with guys that are sitting there waiting for an offer. I mean, I feel like. Nebraska either is making that offer or they're in a holding pattern and we don't really know what flips the switch to get out of the holding pattern. So, um, you know, a lot of it uh, with the guys that they are offering, it's, it's track times. It's track uh, multi-sport um, athleticism. It's the kid's a, a pretty good wrestler and he also looks like he can play in the trenches. So you can use him on either side. And physically he's already six foot three to six foot four. And so you can add weight to him and develop that way because he has an understanding of leverage from being a wrestler and yada, yada, yada. So um, I, I don't know that there's a magic formula for this plus this plus this is what's going to equal an offer. But I do know that the easiest way for anyone to get on Nebraska's radar has nothing to do with their huddle film and has a lot to do with either their track times or if they're able to throw well. And then you combine that with a frame that they feel like can be built upon. I mean, those are, those are the two things, and it's funny because neither are football-related things. But if you have a good frame and you move well on the on the track, you're gonna you're gonna get interest not just from Nebraska, from a lot of people. Mike, I guess this this is a little bit of an insider baseball question that I'm going to give to you here. But you know, it's one thing we've been talking a lot to offer a scholarship or to not offer a scholarship, but it's one thing to offer, and it's another thing to. Um, make that recruit a priority. From your experience, do you think that this staff so far has has been making these Nebraska prospects that they have offered, like 
Caleb Benning, like uh, you know, Davon um Hall, like uh Cole help me out here. Help. Isaiah McMorris. Yeah, all those guys. Do you think they've they've done a good job going through and making these guys a priority to get to Nebraska? I, I think so. I mean, at least from the conversations I've had with them, Caleb Benning feels that way. Caleb Piper feels that way. The the offensive lineman from Omaha Central. I know Isaiah McMorris said early on when they brought him out in December. I mean, he was they the first visit weekend the staff ever had was for in-state guys with offers. So they they're not blind to this or ignoring yeah. people or anything else. I I just think that it's been a little bit of a weird cycle. And I, I do also think something else that everyone should remember, these kids that are going to be seniors next year, the last time they saw Nebraska have a winning season, they were in sixth grade. So, like, Nebraska as a football program has to prove a lot more to the kids in the state, in my opinion, than the kids in the state need to prove to Nebraska. So Absolutely. it sort of works both ways. And I think because of that, you know, if, if you're if you're serious about playing football at the next level, I don't know that the glitz and glamour of playing for your hometown school is going to outweigh the fact that there's opportunities to go elsewhere and there's really good programs in the area. And some of those programs are are really heavily recruiting, you know, all of the names that we've talked about. Mike J. Schaefer, Husker 24-7. Good stuff as always. And, and, you know, I I would throw another NFC North-themed grenade here between the two of you, but I'm a Chiefs fan and I'm a radio professional and I'm not going to do that. That's all right. We could we could fill the entire show just talking NFC North. I, I, I think it's going to be an ongoing bit, it. by the way, between me and Mike every time he's on on this show to just trash each other about our really mediocre teams. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see if Justin Fields can get the 15 hole passing touchdown. You know, this next year, maybe he did it last year. I can't remember. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see if the Vikings will play interesting football this year. You know, it's just the most boring things I've ever seen. About. I mean, watching the Vikings you see the Bills play, game last year that was watching, more interesting than well, anything. You know, that's one game. It's like watching them is like watching paint dry. You know, just Dalvin Cook four yards. Dalvin Cook four yards. Give it to me, Schaefer. I know that Matt McMaster has watched the Vikings game. They had a 35-point comeback last year. They came back from 21 points against the Bills. Justin Jefferson is on their team, and you're talking about other, Calvin I'm Jefferson. just saying, other than that, other than that, I don't watch all I've 17 a, games from what I've watched. I've you know, I've grown in age watching you guys play football with Kirk Cousins' six-yard checkdowns. Check down Charlie getting paid $35 million a year. This is amazing. He doesn't even watch the Vikings. He's talking trash. That's incredible. I, I'll, uh, I'll send you some highlights, Matt. This you is can this watch is just throw the forward pass. This is just incredible <laughs> content, uh, Mike. Uh, thanks again uh, for the NFC North thoughts and the recruiting thoughts. We we appreciate both here on the KLIN Husker Hour. You know, you're you're welcome to tap into those thoughts whenever you desire. It's, it's you know buyer beware. <laughs> thanks again. Right, see you guys. All right, see you, Oh, that's that's good stuff, right? You can't there. tell me that the Vikings aren't boring. The Vikings are a very boring football team. They are. I know their games are exciting, but that doesn't mean that they play an exciting style of football. So, what? What do you mean? Say what? that out loud again. I know. I know. It's. <laughs> yeah, Kenny. Kenny, get on the mic there. Say that again. You're a Bears fan. <laughs> I well, yeah, but our games are exciting. Our games are our games are fun to watch. Theirs aren't. That's an insult. Uh, our, our our games are very close and very fun to watch. Doesn't mean we win them, but but they're they're fun to watch. 
You know, for, you gotta, for all the for all the NFL fans out there that that like bemoan the fact that oh, Chiefs fans just have Mahomes. That's they they don't know what it's like. Look, we know what it's like to have bad geez. quarterback play, coaching turnover left stop, and right. Stop, stop. See, this is like the more annoying part where I'm like supposed to like resonate with you and like feel bad. Oh, you're totally right. Just sit on your throne and, and don't. No, don't, I am. Don't, I'm don't sitting on my throne. I'm quite don't, comfortable. Don't pay attention to me. I'm quite comfortable. Don't pay attention to my team until we beat you in the Super Bowl. Don't don't pay attention. Got to get to the playoffs first. <laughs> All right, uh, Husker baseball talk when we come back. Uh, Husker softball's postseason may have come to an end. Uh, we'll tell you more about that as well when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Let's change the subject to someone else. In case you missed Mike Schaefer and his Husker recruiting thoughts and NFC North back and forth with Matt McMaster, uh, always available on the our podcast page. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Find uh, the KLI and Husker Hour there. We'll also have our uh, Facebook Live videos up on the Facebook page at KLI and Husker. That's where we're at live right now, courtesy of Kenny Larrabee. Uh, Hey, let's switch gears. Let's talk some baseball. There's no, uh, there's no animosity between you and Schaefer on baseball, is there? <laughs> I love Schaefer. Cubs versus I, Guardians. I, I want to throw it out there. I love Schaefer. Yes, dude's great. Yes, awesome. I, I look forward to having him on more. I got to come up with more uh, Minnesota-based um, insults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than just you pay your quarterback way too much money. Um, hey, he looks good with the bling. <laughs> going to baseball. Yeah, eleven and eight in the Big Ten. I think they're currently still in a yeah they're a two way tie. It was a three way tie, but Michigan State lost yesterday. As Michigan State's been faltering. At one point, they were first in the conference. They got, uh, I think they got swept by Illinois at Illinois, which was a big series win uh, for the Illini. But now still two way tie for fifth. One last night should say one, one last 19 night to five. One last night, I believe Maryland has lost two in a row. Um, Michigan State lost yesterday. Purdue lost yesterday, which was a big deal as well. Um, but still, they're eleven and eight, and they've got five more Big mm-hmm. Ten games, and they're still only a game and a half away from falling out of postseason contention. Um, as the next team would be Illinois, and they're eleven and eleven right now. It's tight so, at the top. It's tight in the in the middle as well. Like and now Indiana has North- reemerged too. Yeah. So. Yeah, Indiana now leading the conference right up there with Maryland. Uh, they've won five in a row overall um, and are now 13-6 and six with Maryland in conference play. So as it sits, Nebraska in the 13-team Big Ten standings needs to get at least eighth to make the Big Ten yes, tournament. we should have went off with that. Which yeah. is at the Chuck in Omaha, Charles Schwab. <laughs> I Whatever. At the Chuck. I've heard it called the Chuck. It's a good shorthand. Schwab. At the Schwab. At the Schwab. I like that better. Let's go. Let's go with that. Yeah, at, at the, the Schwab. Schwab. So at the Schwab. So Nebraska currently, as you said, fifth place. Um, the the eighth place team is their opponent next weekend. That's Purdue. Yeah, they're ten and nine. As is Michigan State, Illinois, right there at eleven and eleven. So it's basically down to nine teams for eight spots. Minnesota is a game and a half behind Illinois at eight and eleven. Um, the good news is Nebraska is absolutely raking. Right now, the the pitching staff we've talked about, it's been inconsistent. It's been up and down. You've had more 
reliability out of your Friday and Saturday starters in Emmett Olson and Jace Kaminska, but even those two have had their their lumps. The bullpen, flip a coin sometimes. Will Walsh has been a little bit more steady in that Sunday starter role, but he has not been a big innings eater, and he has not, of course, been consistent either. But Matt, that offense, my goodness. Like, you've got Bryce Matthews now with 20 home runs. It's the most since Matt Hopper hit 23 in 2003. Max Anderson's still got 19. Like, Matthews just hit his 20th home run yesterday. He may not lead the team in home runs this season. It's possible that Anderson will pass him. Could pass him today. Uh, Both of those two are chasing 400 as well. Coming into the weekend, Max Anderson was at 403 and Matthews was at 387. Anderson went three for six. Ho-hum. Four RBIs. Three runs scored. Matthews with the home run, he went three for five, two RBIs, three runs scored. So, and Gabe Swanson has 14 home runs. He hit his fifth or 15 home runs. He hit his 15th last night. The, the, the lineup is doing their job. Dylan Carey had a nice game yesterday, three for five. Efri Cervantes, two for five. So, and, and Griffin Everett getting back in the lineup has really been helpful as well. He's provided some pop. The offense can carry them through the rest of this weekend, uh, and then it comes down to that Purdue matchup next weekend in West Lafayette to decide whether or not Nebraska is going to get into the Big Ten tournament, which is a tournament they have to win if they want to make the NCAA tournament. Yes. It All, all it says to me is they if they continue at least doing what they've been doing or slightly below that on offense – they just got to find a way to stabilize the pitching, figure out what roles, if they, if they haven't maybe tried to define them already. And I think it's a little too late for that. I, well, they, the way they've used pitchers has, sure. has said that they maybe don't have roles. It's possible that they do, and then they get into games, and then they just have to chuck stuff well, out. It, it, oh, I mean, it, I mean, absolutely. That's how baseball works. Right, yeah. right, right. But if you can get a couple of good outings from these guys. Sure. Get them a little bit more confidence. You you've seen you've seen baseball teams heading into postseason be able to do that. I'm I'm just going to tell you right now, it's hard hard to carry an entire team, or for a team to carry itself or will itself to high level situations or in the season, the postseason. Now I'm not even talking Big Ten. I'm talking about the NCAA tournament. It's hard for teams to will themselves into that position just on offense because. The classic saying is baseball is the only sport where you can fail 70% of the time and end up being a Hall of Famer. But the problem I've always had with that saying, and I think my father will appreciate this, is that hitters fail 70% of the the time. Pitchers succeed 70% of the time, right? And yeah. and that's not even and by the way this whole seventy percent that's just kind of the the benchmark pitchers probably succeed way more mm. than than just seventy percent it's probably seventy five percent or even you know seventy three percent of the time they're succeeding right so when you kind of do that math what are you going to win more with having pitching that is great pitching that is winning seventy three seventy four percent of the time against hitters or great hitting that's only winning thirty percent of the time. Right. And so what I'm trying to say is that this offense is great, but they got to figure it out on this pitching staff 
and and really deliver quality outings consistently because yes, they scored 19 runs yesterday and they got two guys in Anderson and Matthews who are incredible hitters who are both going to get drafted probably in the first five rounds mm-hmm. of, of this upcoming MLB draft. And then Olsen will probably get drafted as well. You're not going to score 19 runs a game. You're not no. even going to score seven runs a game or eight runs a game, right? And so there needs to be, it's just, it just really all comes down to them throwing because this high power, it's a high powered offense, but that really only goes so far in the game of baseball because it's the game of baseball. And like Deion Sanders said, that ball will do things to you. You know, trying to hit that baseball will do things to you. And it's it's just so hard to consistently do that. And so I think at this point, when it comes down to the pitching, throw X's and O's out the window, throw managing out the window, throw situations out the window, forget about all of that. And the reason why I say that is because I have seen every single pitcher that is consistently used in this bullpen go out and pitch gems. You've seen Brett Sears go out there and deliver against Omaha. You've seen Kyle Perry go out there and deliver against Creighton. You've seen Corbin Hawkins go out there multiple times and deliver against teams. You've seen Shea Shanneman go out there and deliver against teams. You've seen Will Walsh go out there and play great baseball. You've seen Drew Christo go out there and play some great baseball. You've seen Jake Buns, who started the year, I think his first, what, eight appearances? He didn't give up a run? An earned run. An earned run? I mean... Every single, and that's very rare, where you can talk about a team who, I'm not going to say they've struggled pitching, but they've had their days. They've had their days where, you know, they only hold Creighton to four, and they've had their days where they gave up 20 to Maryland, you know? So it's, it's, you've seen all of these guys, it's so weird, you've seen all these guys go out there and perform, it just seems like... There's never a, it's like they're never going on at the same time. They're never all pitching at their best at the same time. And so if they are going to make a deep run, that has to happen. Because yes, you can fail 70% of the time as a hitter, but as a pitcher, you got to succeed more than that. Yeah. And And so the the other thing is obviously when you get into the NCAA tournament, if Nebraska were to make it that that far, you're going to run into teams that have a couple of really good pitchers starting. You're going to run into teams that have a couple of really good guys out of the bullpen mm-hmm. in high leverage situations. They're going to be able to go to them and they're more than likely going to face off against, Hey, it's coming back to the top of the lineup. We're going to go to this guy, our ace in the pen, and he's going to face a uh, uh, Bryce Matthews. He's going to face Max Anderson. Well, look at well, what happened. What happened beat us. So, yeah. so those, those types of pitchers exist on NCAA tournament teams. So you have to be able to counter that with your own set of exactly. pitchers that can and counter can... those offenses. Because, yeah, like you said, I don't expect Nebraska to play and score 19 runs no. in, the, in the postseason, but they have to be able to at least match the teams that they're playing on the, on the mound to counter their offensive weapons. I like Nebraska's offensive weapons, their top two, better than almost anybody that they'll go up against. I agree with that. But they've got to have it elsewhere in the lineup, in the clutch moments, in those high-leverage moments, and they've got to have the pitching as well to, we, to counter the offense on the other side. We should we should go to a break, but we should um, real quick, and you can play the cutout music right now while I'm saying this. Um, not that I get frustrated watching Nebraska baseball because I'm a reporter and I'm a writer, but if you were a fan of Nebraska baseball... 
I would get slightly frustrated just because you know, like this, like it's not a question of whether or not the bullpen pitching is there. Yeah. It is there. They have the ability. It's like, just, just go out there and like consistently do it and just like execute it and like everyone pitch their best stuff at the same time. That would be the frustrating part of it. Yeah. But if you want a positive, they got the makings of a team that can go very far. They have all the ingredients. It's just whether or not they can put them all together and make a beautiful dish that ends up in Omaha in June. See? You like that? At the Schwab. At the Schwab! All right. Uh, wrapping things up next. Uh, don't go anywhere. This is KLI and Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. If you have not already, do yourself a favor and watch some of the uh, NFL social media schedule release videos, just talking about those uh, during the break, Um, especially Tennessee. Very simple, uh, but my goodness, I was just crying, laughing Very so good. hard. What did so the Chiefs do? They didn't even do a video. Are you kidding me? No. They, they wow. Did a, they did a here. Here's the here's the schedule. Here's who we're playing. Boring. It's you so want to see our you want to see our our Super Bowl trophy? That's, that's well, I am no. I this, at the same time, I, I cannot you know, I cannot get a word in against you with this whole Super Bowl trophy. I'm just waiting for until it's just this is just over. I mean, it's a big. It's a it is like the the schedule release is like the Super Bowl for the like social media teams of oh, like yeah. NFL franchises, and oh, I yeah. absolutely love it. The Bears had a great one. They did like one on. Have you seen the one? The Bears good. It was like on the Bear. You know the Bear, the TV show. Yeah. About like beefs made in Chicago. They did something like that where they were like okay. cooking it up in the kitchen. It was great. It was awesome. It was a great time. So um, Nebraska softball, not a great time for them this weekend. They fell in the sa- in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament to Northwestern. Um, they now await their fate. Uh, they'll find out. Tomorrow, uh, the the selection show for the NCAA softball tournament is at six o'clock on ESPN two. Um, they're right on the cut line, basically. Is is what everybody who follows this stuff says. So you, you hope that they can make it in because they have a few all timers on this team. I mean, Brooke Andrews, Courtney Wallace. They've had my Felder. They've had amazing Billy Andrews. Uh, they, they've had amazing careers as as Huskers and some of them their careers may be over if Nebraska doesn't make that tournament so uh, tough way to go out they lost eight nothing uh, against Northwestern um, yesterday well look they have lost five of their last six three of those being to Northwestern also three of those losses were within two runs or one two three four five of those losses my bad I'm bad at counting we're within two runs. Uh, big win against Illinois in the Big Ten tournament. That was actually massive. Um, lost yesterday to to Northwestern 8-0 to in five innings. Uh, I think they've played six games against ranked opponents. So six, so four of those were against Northwestern. The other two coming to Wichita State. They, they, have, they didn't win any of those. Any of those games. Or, sorry, they beat Arizona, who was number 16. Not looking through the schedule. Well, they... Yeah, I mean, they've played a lot of ranked opponents, and they haven't really been that successful. I, I forgot earlier in the year, they lost to number 5 Oklahoma State, lost to number 2 UCLA, lost to number 8 Virginia Tech, lost to number 4 Arkansas, lost to number 4 Oklahoma State. 
it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to get in. But at the same time, you look at their record, it's pretty impressive, 34-20, and 20, and Ronald Ravel is one of the greatest softball coaches of all time, and you're absolutely right. They have some incredible all-time pieces that will go down as some of the greatest players in, in this program's history. But I do want to say something. The future is, is pretty bright. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin Kaneda, yes. freshman, all Big Ten first team, all Big Ten defensive team, all Big Ten freshman team. She's the first player to, or the only player this year in the Big Ten to accomplish that. All three of those so, teams, yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, while this season you hope it continues and, and this end, losing five of the last six in the regular season and then dropping that postseason game to Northwestern has been disappointing. There, there still is a, a bright future and a bright outlook for this team. And, and you know, there's going to be, you know, more success to come. Yeah, uh, Big Ten track and field championships going on. Uh, Nebraska had three throwers win Big Ten titles yesterday on the first day of the competition. Rima Otabor and Arthur Peterson won the javelin titles, and Tanisa Morris won the women's hammer throw. Good for them. Uh, we've got more of those competitions throughout the weekends. Day two is going to start here at 10.30, and then field events at 1 o'clock. Uh, running events starting at 3 o'clock. Uh, Nebraska baseball today is not a 2 o'clock first pitch. It's t- it's another night game. Uh, they're playing at 6 o'clock tonight uh, in Game 2 with Jace Kaminska on the mound for the Big Red. Uh, Nebraska, again, right in the middle of that scrum in the, the conference standings trying to make the, uh, the Big Ten tournament to give themselves a chance to win that and move on to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Big series. I mean, there's this is going to more more than likely come down to the last day uh, for Nebraska in terms of whether or not they are going to get into the tournament with just how much of a log jam there is from spots three all the way down to about ten. So it, it, probably not the last game, but definitely next week weekend against Purdue is going to be massive and, and the shifter in between. If you get swept, you probably don't make that. So yeah. these next couple games against Penn State, very important to pad that lead going into that Purdue series. That's Matt McMaster. Kenny Larrabee had us going on the Facebook Live. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's our show. Go Big Red. We'll see you next week.